Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 557 for August 4th, 2018. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is returning guest, Tom Merritt, host of the Daily Tech News Show. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. Oh, I'm so excited. This is an idea, th- this discussion is an idea that I've had rolling around in my head for ages and I've been meaning to have you on to talk about. It. And the subject is community. And I think about this a lot because you have an incredibly thriving and participative community in the Daily Tech News show, and it's kind of been there with you from way back, right? Yeah, uh, it goes all the way back to Tech TV. Uh, when I was at Tech TV is where the, the my ideas around community involvement and content really formed. But I was experimenting with it even before that. When I was running a blog called Subbrilliant News in the late 90s, just on my own, people who would read the blog would email me uh, with ideas and I would have them start writing for it. So, you know, it, it, oh. it, it's as old as the Internet, really. Oh, that's interesting. So having them write, the the difference in, I think, the way the community works today is it's gone beyond one-to-one. It's gone to one-to-many or many-to-many. So you've got the community talking to each other too, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the most interesting things that I've seen develop is there's, there's almost like an evolution uh, where – you have uh, you have people in a community that then start to want to participate in a show and then start to develop their own talents and then spin off their own stuff and become their own uh, entities themselves with their own communities. And I've seen that happen with Patrick Beja, where he was doing mm-hmm. fan-submitted elements for the instance and of course now he has an excellent podcasting empire of his own uh and even to a certain extent scott johnson who already had a community before he started to contribute to buzz out loud but it certainly fostered us to be able to help each other's communities as he became uh more well known to us on on that show so he was originally a a fan of the stuff you were doing on buzz out loud yeah uh scott a lot of people don't realize he was sort of a pioneer of this stuff. He was doing streaming audio back in the 90s uh, and mm. and mostly working a day job as a as an illustrator, but, but doing his own webcomic. And so he started uh, podcasting as sort of an outgrowth of the streaming audio he had already been doing. So that predated us. But when... When he started to contribute to Buzz Out Loud, we started to bring up his voicemails and, and talk about it. And eventually we started to share promos uh, across our different podcasts because he was still doing Extra Life Radio back then along with The Instance. Uh, and, and that really helped both of us grow. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've definitely been a beneficiary of, of being on your show, on Daily Tech News Show, because people, I, I can tell because I look at my Patreon uh, people, and a lot of them, I'll see you and me, or you and me and Scott, or uh, or even me and Patrick. And so that, that community crossover starts to, to grow the love, I think. Yeah, there was uh, somebody, I wish I could find their name. Uh, I'm not going to be able to find it now off the top of my head. But there was someone I noticed on Twitter who, in their bio, said they were a fan of DTNS, NoSillaCast, SMR Podcast, uh, and a couple oh. other uh, shows. And I was like, that just warmed my heart. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is us. You know, we're, it, it, yeah, we're all part of this. It, 
It grows. Uh, I got to tell you, nothing made me happier than when I heard you say the new hotness about something the other day, because that's what Chris Ashley on the SMR podcast says all the time. (laughs) I've totally subconsciously picked that up, didn't I? I didn't even realize that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I, I, I use sayings of theirs all the time. I'll tell Steve to get closer so I can give him a kidney punch. That's another Chris Ashley. (laughs) Um, Back to Scott. I'm glad you brought him up. So Scott has uh, the Frog Pants Network, and uh, he calls his, his fans the Tadpools. Or tadpole. The tadpool is is the is the is the fandom. Uh, it's the okay. pool in which the the, the tad. <laughs> I don't know if it's ever been declenched or you know uh, if we've had declensions of the just the the verbs uh, that much in the past. But yeah, it's you okay. know there's Diamond Club, which is the fans around Brian Brushwood and Justin Robert Young. There's the tadpool, which is the fans around Frog Pants, and then there's me with a foot in both ponds. <laughs> By the way, Chris's are called the Minions. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, the Minions is a good one. I think Twists, yeah, right? Twists, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and of course, mine is the Nocilla Castaways. It's fun to... You don't the have a, a name for yours, do you? Uh, there is a group out there that refers to themselves as the Merit Militia. Um, ah, okay, because they followed you around, right? But they're mostly Diamond Clubbers anyway, so it's kind of a subset. Yeah, you said something to me once recently. Uh, I forget what the context was, but you referred to the family and and I felt really good being part of that family, you know, the 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 Diamond Club, Frog Pants, DTNSers, uh, family. That was that was, and and I think that's part of it. Is yeah. you do things to make it feel like family, make it feel like home, make it feel like friends. And can you articulate at all how you cause that? Is it just you're just a swell fella? Or? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's all it is. I am just a swell, <laughs> swell person. Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. Other than, and and I think all of us do this. I think I don't think it's just me. Uh, I, I think we all are in it for different reasons than a business. Right? We're not. Mm. We're not in it. Uh, because we want to win the podcasting game, uh, we I, and and granted there are various members of us who want to be super successful. I'm not saying that isn't part of it, but we're more concerned with having good content and and per- interpersonal relationships. And there, there are things that I have done that I know people say, well, you you know, you shouldn't really do that just because they're your friends. Or you shouldn't, you know, what why why aren't you pursuing this person over here to to be on your oh, your yeah. show? And I I tend to to think that content is better when it's genuine and there's nothing more genuine than two people who honestly like talking to each other discussing <laughs> something. Uh, and, and the only pitfall is if you've got someone that you're having on and you're presenting them as knowing something they don't. So that's the one thing that I have given people advice. I'm like, hey, just be yourself when you're on the show. Don't try to pretend you're, you're something you're not. And it'll be great. And I think that's part of it, too, is, hey, we're not trying to set ourselves up as somehow unassailably better than everyone else. We're just trying to say, hey, we, we know these sides of things. Let's we're going to share our perspectives on them in a way that's fun to listen to, because that is the key of podcasting is listening to other people have a conversation and feeling like you're part of it. And then, oh, and the big thing that I learned at Tech TV was opening up to allow the people who are listening to have a way into that, whether it's by reading emails or voicemails or the NetCam network back in the day or whatever. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm thinking about the the context. Two of the things that you said right there about when you don't know about something, don't pretend that you know about it. Is a lot of times you'll say, "Okay, I just read this story on nuclear physics. Uh, could a nuclear physics physicist please write in and tell me what that just meant?" Or, or and and they do. And it, it, it's, it's an extraordinary thing because people know, oh, yeah, that's what I'm expected to do in this show. This is this is how this show works is is people contribute and people have a voice in here. Yeah, uh, it's it's part of my I don't I don't know how to express it exactly. But part of my way of approaching this is I'm a kid from a town of 5000 in southern Illinois. <laughs> I, I, I have been lucky enough to have some advantages in life. I'm not going to try to pretend that I'm, you know, I'm hard scrabble, uh, you know, had never, <laughs> never had an advantage, but I didn't have a lot of the advantages that I see some other people have where they had connections in the industry or they, they grew up in New York city or, or San Francisco. Uh, and, and so I look at that and I think, well, there's other people like me that are left behind because they just don't happen to be in the right place or know the right people, but they're super talented. And mm-hmm. how how do we encourage those people uh, to do bigger and better things? And and that's in the back of my mind when I see someone like Rich Straffolino writing in and having amazing insights and wanting to encourage him. Or Big Jim, uh, James Thatcher, who's in the logistics industry and like has a really good perspective on that. And, and you know, I'm naming just those two, but there, there's lots of people like that. Where I'm like, yes, I want to encourage people to lean into what they're good at and get and have an outlet out that I can provide now because I'm lucky enough to have done this for a while in a way that, you know, if somebody was at NBC or CNN, uh, they're probably not going to provide that outlet without a lot of work. Yeah, that's interesting. I've always kind of thought of it as punishing people um, when I do that. So people will write uh, into me, oh, I got this cool new gadget, and they tell me all this great stuff about it, and I say, awesome, I'm going to punish you. Now record that for me, and I'll play it on the podcast. And and I say punish because a lot of times people are, are you know, they come back going, that was really hard. I don't, <laughs> my voice sucks. I hate the sound of my own right, voice. Right. but. But I try to encourage it because it it's so much more um, valid when it's read in their voice, not in my voice. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, there are people who are like, OK, you're just you're not going to want to record this. I get it. It's fine. Um, but I, I, I think I should you're 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 inspiring me to do that more often to say like, hey, record this. Send it to me. Um, I think my resistance to or my failure, ah, failure is too harsh, but why I haven't done that up until now is probably me going, yeah, but it's so hard to get the file into the iPad. I'll just read their email, (laughs) (laughs) which is silly. That's funny. That's funny. One of the things that I do with people sending in recordings is the first recording they send in. No matter how bad the audio is within, you know, within certain significant lower limits, I'm probably going to play it. Mm-hmm. But the second time, okay, so let's talk about the last time. Here yeah. was the noise. You got to turn off the fan. You got to get a big girl mic. You got to turn off your head, your your speakers. You know, I give them some guidance. But the first time, I don't want to do anything to discourage people. So I right. try to get them to to give it a shot. And then once they know they can do it, then it, it seems to help them to uh, to get a little bit more out of it. So. That is something about human psychology. Is if if you try something and it you're perceived as not having succeeded at it, you'll be less likely to want to try it again in a lot of cases. Um, so that, that's a really way going about it. The flip side is there are going to be people who think they are really good at something or think <laughs> they are an expert at something who aren't. Uh, and 
I I will say they are much fewer. Uh, I, yeah. I think it's exaggerated. The The fear of that was exaggerated. And when I worked at Tech TV and when I worked at CNET, there were people like, well, you, you don't want to let the rabble in kind of attitude. And I'm like, no, there's a lot of really smart people in the rabble, but there are people who don't know their own limits. And so that is another skill that I've had to develop is, is how to tell those people apart uh, and how to gently... Uh, let someone know like, hey, this, this isn't your thing. This isn't, this mm-hmm. isn't the, the, the helpful thing that you think it is. And one way I go about that is to try to identify the thing that is their thing and kind of steer oh, them okay. towards that. And like, but you know what I can tell you're great at is X. Oh, that's, a, that's an interesting way to go about it. Yeah, I haven't had too many people. I mean, it has happened where it's like, yeah, no, you don't know what you're talking about or, or you're just really not good at this, like mm-hmm. you said. Yeah. Does in your community does uh does real life contact matter like uh meetups? I think it does. I mean, it certainly has solidified certain relationships that I've had with with folks uh to the point where, you know, I don't there's 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 certain people that I I, I don't think of them as fans anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. because because of that real life uh meeting. And I I think that's super important. I I wish I did it more often. I'm just not organized to, enough to to pull the meetings meetups together uh you know a couple of weeks ago brett kennedy and i were in uh we were in chicago for max doc expo uh and he brought up the fact that you haven't had one in a while and that's the only other time he and i see each other because he lives in orange county i could see him anytime but we only see him at your meetups (laughs) well we should have we should have a family meetup uh and that that will help push me to do it like if if it's all of us that are out here uh that would be fun yeah yeah uh and and bill it as a to-do list as a joint meetup yeah that would be cool. The You know, there's one thing about actually meeting somebody, and, and this sounds really funny, but maybe you've had this experience, maybe not, is there have been people that I've listened to that I'm like, oh, wow, they're, they're amazing. And then I meet them in real life, and they're lovely, but now they're just people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, oh, hey, Tom, what? <laughs> you know? I, I, I mean, I used to be in awe of you, and now I know you're just a regular guy. Yeah, and that's good. <laughs> uh, I think that's important. <laughs> it, it's, it's important it makes me to very uncomfortable for you to be at all <laughs> <laughs> i was actually talking about somebody else but anyway <laughs> uh, it could have been with you but uh what would what would podcasting be like without the community that you oh, have well i was gonna i was gonna add oh. to that uh brian brian ibbett uh is one of those guys for me where i was afraid to go up and talk to him at podcast expo oh. in ontario california because that was Brian Ibbett mm-hmm. from Coverville, you know, and, and he's he's an amazing oh, he, podcaster and he organizes these events and music and, and stuff. And of course, yeah, now now for me, he's that that guy was like, ah, it's Ibbett, you know, he's great. And I don't it's not that I think less of him, but right, right. It's, yeah, it's that, that that same sort of thing. Um, that is. What would podcasting be without the community? It, it would it would be poorer. It would not be my shows particular would not be as informative for everybody else because a huge part of what we do on Daily Tech News Show and on Cord Killers and Sword and Laser is bring those perspectives in from the audience that help bring elements that we would not have otherwise. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, describe a little bit of how you do the uh, the Reddit community. Yeah, that was. Born out of an idea where I, I said, wouldn't it be great if I didn't have to p- 
pick the, the, the news for Tech News Today. This is back when I was doing TNT at Twit. Uh, if, you, if everybody in the audience just voted on what they thought should be on the show, and we would then take those things they selected and research them and understand them and discuss them. Uh, that is an ideal that has not yet been achieved, because, and I, and I kind of knew it would never be, because you, you will never get the entire audience to do that. You'll never get them all to participate. But someone in the audience did create a subreddit and said, well, this is kind of allows you to, to do that because you can submit, have people submit stories and then they can be voted up or voted down, uh, through the normal Reddit way. Uh, and I took that with me when, when we did daily tech news show. And in both cases, I didn't create the subreddits, uh, people in the audience did and people in the audience maintain them. Uh, and I am incredibly appreciative. I don't speak enough of how appreciative I am of those people who created those subreddits and keep them going and want to develop them and make them better places. Uh, but it has become an important signal for me in selecting the news for Daily Tech News Show because I want to correct for my own biases. So, you know, I have mm. a feed, RSS feed reader from Feedly. I will select things that I think are of interest out of that. Then I'll look at Google News to be like, what does the algorithm think is interesting today? Which is basically them telling me this is the stuff that everybody is linking to out there. Then there's Tech Meme. Which is like, okay, what does the Silicon Valley Insider think is is interesting? Because they have a really good nose for what's important in the Valley. And then I have my subreddit, which is like, okay, well, what what does this element of my audience think? And that helps me correct for biases across all of those different individual pillars and come up with a, a better look at like, okay, these are obviously the two or three stories that everybody thinks are important and then we can fill in with other things to to make a full show on current geek we take it even farther and we just use the subreddit to pick our stuff because we're not trying to be a definitive news source we're just trying to find interesting things so i just pick from what's in the current geek subreddit every time we do a discussion episode uh and and go with that and give credit to the people who submitted it so you don't really do that much work it's really the community don't tell anyone allison (laughs) So I wanted to ask you how important it is um, calling out people by name, because I suspect that part of the building of your community is that you do that. Yeah, I I'm I try to be really good at that. It gets harder over time as more people are submitting things. Uh, I will occasionally just lose track of something, especially if it's on Twitter, you know, rather than email. But I think it's so cool to hear my own name on a show mm-hmm. right uh when someone's like oh hey tom Merritt wrote in i still get a, a, a thrill out of that uh so i know that's something that people like to hear so just reading emails right there is something but you know i mean our knowing each other sort of grew out of the fact that you sent in a recommendation for a way to do charge only on uh, a MiFi. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I gave you credit for that. Uh, and, and you appreciated that and, you know, and, and we kept, Oh, uh, I remember that day. Yeah. I yeah. Exactly. Going, oh my gosh, Steve, look, he played my thing. And I, we get that all the time where on, on a lot of my shows where I'll see somebody on Twitter or somebody in email, like, I can't believe you mentioned my name on the show. That was so cool. You know? So yeah, I, and and why wouldn't you? It, the right. only reason I, if I ever failed to give credit to someone, it's because I dropped the ball and didn't write it down or or can't remember. Well, yeah, I, I was going to ask you: Do you have a phenomenal ability to remember names, or do you just keep really good notes? No, I try. Really, I have a horrible way to remember names. I just I try to keep notes. 
Oh, okay. Well, that makes me feel a little better because I am really bad at it. I, I worked from when I was 20 until I was 55 at a company where we wore badges. And I blame that on the why I just have no recall of names whatsoever. I mean, you can tell me your name and it's within six or seven seconds. It's gone from my head. Just yeah, gone. It, no idea. So it, it, it trained you to, to be like, yeah, they have badge. Why bother? Yeah. I, and if I had the first, if, even when they went to first initial, I was still pretty good. To start with an A, uh, it's probably Alex. You know? <laughs> now, I noticed, I remember there was a point in time where you stopped calling out the uh, Reddit, the names of people who, um, who mm-hmm. wrote in on Reddit, who had, who had posted something. And I think part of the problem was it was constantly... Um, uh, uh, Captain Kipper and S.P. Sheridan. Yeah. S.P. Uh, Sheridan, right? And it got to be where it was always the same names, and that was diminishing it, I think. Well, it was partly that, because uh, there were some people like, oh, well, he only picks from those people. And I'm like, no, I, I pick the stories, and then I will credit anyone who submitted that story. And to be honest, sometimes it was in reverse. Sometimes I was finding the story on Tech Meme, my own feeds, whatever. And then I would see that it had been submitted and upvoted. And I'm like, okay, well, let's give that person credit since they also submitted it. And it just became too bulky. Uh, Every story had to end with and thanks to, which got in the way of people understanding the story, caused a few people to to get their you know nose at a joint because they're like, well, I've submitted a story too, and it just didn't get uptake because I'm not that person who's favorite. Um, mm-hmm. And and it was it was it was over crediting uh, in some ways. So what I what I did is I'm like, you know what? Let's just clean this up. Let's make it easier to listen to. Um, we'll thank the subreddit in in general, uh, but let's right. not. You know, let's. There's no reason to keep thanking SP Sheridan and Gavin Kipper every time. They know, uh, and and that'll that'll encourage more people to submit than actually recognizing it. So it's finding that balance of like, hey, sometimes crediting doesn't necessarily have the positive reaction. You can you can overdo it, and I will uh, still if there is a story that the only reason we're talking about it on the show is from the subreddit. If I didn't see it anywhere else. Uh, I will say, hey, thanks to this person who brought this up. Like the Shakti, I think it was the Shakti processor from India uh, the other day. I think I, I gave a shout out to the person who submitted it uh, because that was not a thing that I had seen anywhere else. And it was really interesting. You know, I'm glad you brought up India because um, I was going to ask you, it seems that there have been more international stories lately. Is that because your international audience is growing and people are giving more of those kind of stories? Or are you doing something active to cause that? I I think it's three things. I mean, I think our international audience is growing. That's that's true. Uh, I think the tech scene is just becoming more international uh, as as China becomes more and more of a player in in world technology. I mean, just look at the cell phone market. It's not the only one, but Huawei, ZTE, Xiaomi they're they're all worldwide players now. Uh, and India is also rising. Africa is also rising with interesting startups doing interesting things. But the third reason is because I just try to include more international stories. There is a built-in bias in myself, in TechMeme, and in Google News, and probably in our subreddit, to pick American stories. Uh, It's just, you know, and I, I kind of felt it myself when I started thinking about it. I would go through an RSS feed, and if I saw Africa or India, I would think, well, I don't really understand that, you know, and tend to want to skip past it. Whereas... There are really interesting things happening in those markets, and you will get a fuller appreciation of what's happening in the world. You won't think of Kenya 
the same way, if you start to hear stories about, oh, there's, yeah, there's like this thriving uh, mobile payments operation, right, with M-Pesa. But beyond that, it's not just M-Pesa. Also, Rwanda is the leading country in the world in drone delivery. You know, let's hammer that home. Let's celebrate that. If that company operating in Rwanda, the Zipline, was operating in Colorado, it'd be a top story all the time. Uh, So I'm trying to correct for that bias in coverage intentionally without overdoing it. I don't want to just start throwing stuff in that people don't care about either. Yeah, I remember on uh, I was on your show on April Fool's Day and you said, how about if we only do shows from other countries and uh-huh. we don't say a word about it? And that that was, I think, around the time you were really starting to, to ramp up on making sure that you included stories that were interesting from other countries. I love that. I, yeah. I mean, every time I hear something about India or Africa, that's that's fascinating. Well, and, and, you know, beyond that, I want to get people to stop thinking about it as Africa. Uh, Africa is a huge continent. Uh, there, there are interesting things happening in Kenya. There are interesting things happening in Nigeria. Zimbabwe even has a few things. South Africa Rwanda. obviously has a thriving startup scene. Rwanda, uh, as I mentioned, uh, and, and other countries, uh, you know, but, but it's, it's it's a huge place with varying <laughs> levels. You know, there are countries that are not in good shape and they don't have anything going on technologically. But then there are other countries that are they're really growing and they are where Korea was in the 80s, you know, roughly speaking. Uh, and so it's it's worth paying attention to what's going on. I remember I read a story in the Wall Street Journal a long time ago, and I don't remember which African country it was, but it was about a little kid who uh, took... He wasn't able to go to school because his parents didn't have enough money to send him to school, but somebody gave him a discarded uh, textbook and he saw a picture of a windmill. So he went and he got some old tires and, and bailing wire and, and logs and he built one and he started creating energy and started he, – he got a hold of a light bulb and some wire and his parents had a light in their house. And pretty soon he had people coming to their house to charge cell phones. And luckily, somebody found out about this and it became a big story. And he ended up getting a a university education in another country. They took him, you know, they got him out so he could go back and bring these things. And it was just such a cool story of, of, you know, all those innovative minds that are in those countries where maybe they have nothing that we need to tap into. Yeah, I, I love that story. It's a great story. There is a part of me now that hears that story and thinks... Okay, but you know what that story also does? It paints the region as this is a place where only the super determined and talented can rise above the horrible poverty, right? That's not true. That is an interesting story and it's and it's true for some regions and it's a great story and I don't I don't want to in any way undermine the story, but it's also not representative. There are startup incubators in in, in Nigeria, in Kenya, uh, in Ghana, in South Africa. There are skyscrapers. There, you know, like I I right. have started to change my perception as I've paid more attention to what's going on. And there is a bit of a colonial leftover of thinking like, well, everybody there is living in a you know a thatched shack in the dust, and it's just not mm. true. Now, yes, there are places that are very impoverished and yes it's great when someone like that rises up out of that poverty and creates a windmill on their own that's fantastic what i want to try to correct for is that is a section of what's going on in that continent it's not representative of what's going on in that continent and trying to to get us to change our minds about that 
is why I, I want to talk about stories from these different countries this, on the same exact level that we talk about Google and Apple and others. Okay. Okay. I see what you're going there. Yeah. I, w- I was kind of responding to what you said about some places not having these uh, these uh, startups and, and yeah, yeah, interesting yeah, things happening. So some of them don't. But yeah, yeah right. no, that, that's, that's really good to keep in mind. Um, you know, this is completely off topic of technology, but that is one of the reasons I listen to uh, the Phileas Club by mm. Patrick Beja is because my brain expands of what I think. He had a guy on, uh, I believe the um, the subject of the of the uh, interview was called uh, "What's Up with Venezuela." It uh-huh. might have had a swear word in it, but uh, but anyway, the guy was talking about how people are fleeing from Venezuela, and he said the the great thing is the country of Colombia. On their border, on the other side, they have no restrictions to leave Venezuela to get into Colombia. There's nothing. You don't need any papers. You need nothing to get over there. And on the other side of this border where it's a horrible way to get there, you're, you know, you're just going to be a wreck when you get to the other side. There's people with like sleeping bags and water and fruit and stuff to greet you. Now, what was my first thought of Colombia before I heard that? Yeah, right. Drugs, guns, yeah. you know, it was, it was all horrible. It's the place where the out- militia kills everyone for cocaine. That's right, right? Exactly. Yeah. And all of a sudden I find out, whoa, my whole brain just went. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I love degrees. that show for the same reason. Yeah, it's uh, it it is. It, it, I always look at it going, oh, this will be good for me. I get to listen, <laughs> and then I end up really, really happy that I listen. So. It's like looking at a plate of bro- broccoli and then eating it and realize it's covered in butter. It really is delicious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I, let's take another angle here. Are there any disadvantages to having a community that's so involved? Yeah, there are. I mean, it, it, we touched on it a little bit with the people who think they're experts when they're not and having to deal with that. There's also uh, sometimes people get more invested than I would be comfortable with. Um, mm. And and very rarely uh, I've run into people who are dangerous. Uh, oh. And that's just, you know, that's just part of putting yourself out there in the world at any time. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, so, yeah, you have to be careful of that. I don't, I don't want in any way for that to sound like it is the norm. Uh, it is it is quite opposite. Um, the the bigger the bigger downsides to a community is keeping it happy. <laughs> and you know well, that was going to be my next question. How yeah. is it so happy? Well, I I think our our community is pretty happy. Um, but it it like everything else can can you know turn on something uh, as we saw with the Patreon fees uh, not too long ago. <laughs> but people are super supportive. If anything, the the uh the flaw in the dtns community is the same flaw in me which you know is being hypercritical about and pedantic about being right uh and if that's the worst <laughs> flaw i'm perfectly happy with it because i know <laughs> i know why it exists uh i have often said your community is a reflection of your show if your show is combative uh, and accusatory and stokes anger you're gonna have a combative angry community uh, if your show is pedantic uh, and good-natured but trying to get things right, then your community is going to be good-natured but trying to get things right. So I, I, oh, I really so that's think— that's why I feel this overwhelming urge to correct you if I think I caught you being wrong? Yeah, you're part of the community. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not alone in that. Though. No. No, it drives me crazy. I guess that's probably the number one thing that's, that's a downside of the community is every single person sending me a correction— 
is only is the only person sending me a correction right in their mind because yeah. they're alone but i am getting a flood of them uh you know so so it can be wearing sometimes to be like yeah okay i made a mistake like if you were working in your cube and you had a group of 100 people around you pointing it out every time you made a mistake <laughs> you get you get angry too I remember I was recording the podcast once uh, I do, yeah, I do my show live and uh, I am juggling so many things when I'm doing that. Cause I'm controlling all of it. Uh, actually, we've been able to offload some to Steve finally, but, uh, but before every single piece of it was me, I'm reading, I'm, contri- I'm in the community, I'm doing the recording, I'm watching the levels. I mean, I'm doing all this stuff at once and I misspoke. And this, this kid in the community, he was, he was a young man. He just wrote fail. And I stopped the recording and yelled at him, and I still feel bad about Aww. it. But I, I, but I was just like, "Do you have any idea what I am doing right now?" I mean, this that was like like I'm I'm playing the the piccolo part in Vivaldi right now, and I missed one note, and somebody whispered, "Fail." And he was a musician, and and I was just I I was so angry, and he left, and he never came back, and I have felt bad about that ever since. I mean, you both learned a valuable lesson that day, right? <laughs> like he he learned like oh, uh, saying things to human beings that are real human beings has consequences, and you learned like oh, maybe just Chill ripping into bit. somebody isn't the best solution <laughs> to that. But I understand the impulse, believe me. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, you know, we talked before about. Uh, Scott Johnson's community, I was overwhelmed when I went to Nerdtacular by how kind the Tadpool is. Mm-hmm. I have never met a group of people who were more overwhelmingly welcoming. I had nothing in common with these people, really, as it turns out. And yet, it is one of the warmest feelings having been with these people. And and part of what I suspect it was with that community is it's entirely made up of the people who were never picked for kickball, right? Every every person was was last chosen Quite a bit. for sports, yeah, yeah. right? And so, like, I, I'd walk up and try to talk to people, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, come over here. Let me tell you about my clan in World of Warcraft, which I don't care about at all. Right. But they were so welcoming. I was like, oh, I will, I will talk to you. And I, I remember standing in line for dinner, uh, and, and a table for two wasn't open. There was only a table for four. And so I turned to the people behind me and said, hey, you guys want to jo- join us? And they, they had badges on, and they're like, oh, that'd be awesome. Uh-huh. You know, and And that is... That community is phenomenal. I mean, I just and, and again, Scott, like you say, it's a reflection of Scott because Scott is such a warm, wonderful person. And honestly, communities tend to form like real communities tend to form around shared interests uh, and and therefore tend to like each other because they have something <laughs> in common. I think the, the it's really disconcerting to see the prevailing narrative when you talk about social networks today being uh these are cesspools of anger and hatred and they're tearing society apart and i look at it and i think they're not communities that the problem isn't isn't social networks the problem is these aren't actually networks these these are not people who share an idea and are coming around it and if you look at both facebook and twitter one of the biggest problems is that they are not moderated uh, this is something we learned very well at Tech TV and CNET, and I learned it a little bit at Subbrillion News even in the 90s, which is you have to continually show that someone's paying attention to keep the people who just want to cause problems away from the community and allow the community to thrive because most people want to be kind to each other. There, That doesn't mean all people do, but if you allow the minority 
that want to cause trouble to cause trouble whenever they want, it will ruin a community. And that is certainly the biggest problem on Twitter, where there is no central thing for everyone to rally around. It's just open season without any kind of moderation. Uh, But it's also true on Facebook. Even though you have Facebook groups, anybody can still talk to everybody else and comment on everything else. uh, And and that causes problems. Uh, YouTube channels are either cesspools or decent places based on how much the channel spends time spends moderating so you 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 have to run a community you the big mistake i think these social networks made is thinking oh letting people comment freely is a community it's not yeah i i do see its value but it isn't a community at all like you say the uh our facebook group we've had very very little trouble with people but it, one of the most interesting examples of what you said was uh there was a gentleman that i've i've met in real life as a fan of the show um i was friends with him on facebook and he was in my community and he started to get really awful on facebook mm-hmm. so i unfriended him but just as an experiment i did not take him out of the community mm-hmm. he is 100% respectful in the community Ah, so the things you were seeing were not inside the group. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. No, no, they were outside where it was just, you know, I mean, he would write to me things that I disliked intensely. And so it's just like, okay, life's too short to be listening to you. You're out. And I I banned him, but I didn't ban him from the community. And it was like he had he has two different personalities when he's talking about about Macs and iPhones and and the podcast and everything. He's super fun. But when he gets on other topics, no, he isn't. And he's able to separate those. And I I actually was really impressed that he didn't do anything. There's a difference in in real life between what you will say in a party what you will say at a group dinner and what you will say alone in a room to one other person. Right. Like yeah. you moderate your behavior in those situations. And I think we haven't quite learned how to replicate those natural boundaries uh, on the Internet yet. But when we do, like you say, when you have a Facebook group or, or you have a community that's that's tight and moderates itself. I mean, that's the ideal is when the community just, you know, when someone tries to penetrate the community unites and says, yeah, that's not OK here. You might want to move along because I've seen that happen, too. Uh, then then you have you you start to replicate that idea of like yeah there's acceptable behavior in public and there's unacceptable behavior in public yeah yeah you know in that context i think about uh my podcast is moderately sized and on occasions i go well i wish i had like a hundred times as many listeners and i think yeah but maybe i wouldn't know everybody the way i feel like i know everybody now and i'm not sure that's actually better again back to i'm not doing this for fame and fortune i'm doing it because i like to talk to people about tech well and and that is something that i feel bad about because there are people who've either been around the in in the audience for a long time and i've gotten to know them or they've just kind of stepped up and and done some really cool things to help the show and therefore i come to know them and so I will say their names on the show more often, maybe uh, because they come to mind like, oh, that's something BioCow would would be interested in, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are people who have who are been in the audience for a long time. Maybe they're just a little quieter, but they, they participate, but they haven't come to my attention. And, you know, maybe they write in. They're like, hey, I'm so and so in the chat room and I've been following you for 10 years. And I'm like, oh, man, I feel bad that I don't recognize that name. But. There just oh. are more people, you know, we, our brains can then only can handle know. a certain amount of people. So you're right. Like, I, I very often am glad that my audience isn't too, so much bigger because at least it's manageable. Yeah. 
I um when we went to Mac Stock Expo, a gentleman walked up to me and said, "Hi, I'm John Long." And it was the most amazing experience because he's been writing to me since uh, I have records back 10 years. Uh-huh. He says he's been listening to the show since day one, but he only writes like every two years or so. So we haven't had a lot of interactions, but I remember the name because it was from, from so far back. And just to have the guy there in real life under those circumstances, that's kind of back to the why meetups are fun, too. Yeah. Um, but it was just you know you start thinking about how many people are out there who've never written to you yeah and i would think we encourage everybody to as much as you know write to us we like that right oh yeah and 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 there's a reverse sort of fame in that uh where you interact with someone with their username uh in a chat room or on discord for a long time then you meet in person and they introduce you at, at the real name and you're like oh it's really nice to meet you and then they say oh i'm x in the chat room and suddenly you're like oh my gosh i've been chatting with you forever you're great you know it's it's, it's really fun we we did a no castaways party at macworld for several years and the first year we did it we gave everybody name tags and said put down your handle so uh-huh. we know who you are yeah because you know what your real name is is uh, is irrelevant right 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 it's it's your twitter name or your chat name or whatever yeah do you think um you're, you do video and audio. Do you think uh, having video versus just audio changes any kind of perception of the community or make them more or less connected? Does that matter to I you? I think for some people, it definitely makes makes it more connected. Uh, and I say that because there are folks who really want video for everything, even if it's not good, right? Uh, <laughs> there were, and one example is I recently did an episode of DTNS Labs with Jack Conti, uh, the founder of Patreon, where we weren't talking about Patreon. We were just talking about the nature of the internet, you know, and why does the internet work the way it does now versus the promise that we both felt back in the early days. Uh, and it was a really fun conversation. And a couple of people are like, man, I really wish there was video of this. And I stopped myself from responding with like, what would that get you? You would see our bearded faces <laughs> You know, but it wouldn't add anything to the content. But then I stopped myself because I'm like, well, but they wouldn't be asking for that if it didn't mean something. And I think there are some people who are like, when I see people talking, it just means more. I, like, I, I feel like I understand them more. I see facial expressions. I, I, I see that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think it does add something, even though on paper it really shouldn't. You know, I found that my live show was where my community really started to take off. I was able to, by doing the live show on video, even though my video is stupid, it's the making of the show. It's they get a chance to see them, to see me and and know me and and meet Tesla and Steve comes in yeah. and and it makes it more. Uh, I don't know. That's where the community really started to feel active, and it made it more interesting for me to be able to to create the show because sitting in front of a mic alone is really boring and really <laughs> weird, you know. And it's hard to be animated when you know nobody's listening right now. No, there is absolutely something to having that audience feeding back. When you're having a conversation, I mean, it's like an instant focus group for me where I'm like, okay, what are they reacting? Oh, that's an interesting reaction. Let's address that because I'm sure other people listening will have that same reaction. So it's, it's really important from that perspective. But then also from, like you say, from being able to see like behind the scenes and see how the sausage is made, uh, I, do, I do think really helps people, you know, when you, when you look in someone's eyes, when you talk to them, it's different than when you're on the phone. It's the same thing. There is a personalness to audio in your earphones that mm. 
can't be replicated by video. I get that. But but there is something about video as well. I think it was Alex Lindsay who said, when when I listen to your podcast, when I listen to a podcast, that person is whispering in my ears. Yeah. And that is different. But I, I have to tell you, everything you do, I watch on video. It's you're my little TV I carry around on my <laughs> iPad in the morning. And, and, you know, seeing Sarah's cat walk by, yeah, just things yeah. like that, that, I, you know. No, it's cool. Uh, or we were watching Cord Killers this morning when, when Brian was actually in the house with uh-huh. you and the two you guys having so much fun, obviously. Yeah. You know, it was, it was really an interesting difference to see you guys together than see you guys in split screen. Well, and that's another thing is, you know, I have, I have staked my claim that I want the flexibility to have anyone on my show. So we don't need to all be in the same location to record a show. But there is something unreplicable about being in the same <laughs> location. And that came through on that episode. I do want to find out from you uh, off the air how you don't get crosstalk between those two mics. That was I, that's what fascinated me more than anything. Is how come there's no crosstalk? That's the mixer. I, I think I, I use a Mackie Pro FX8, and it's meant to yeah. handle stuff. I guess I haven't succeeded at that, but then again, I don't use a mixer, so maybe that's why. Yeah. Well, I have more questions, but I think we should probably close this out. This seems like uh, we could go on forever about this, and I, I am really glad we finally got a, a chance to talk about this. I've really wanted to pick your brains on it. Yeah, no, this was great. Well, let's let's do a part two sometime, maybe. <laughs> All right, that would be great. So uh, I will put links in the show notes to how to spell ASD. Tech. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I've talked about that silly username on your show before. But the the short version is, uh, I I signed up for an account in 1996 and then needed to cancel it, but they wouldn't let me have my real username with the properly spelled Ace Detect because I wanted it to be Ace Detective. But there was a character limit, and then that became the username for everything because no one else had it, and now I'm stuck with it. Oh, but it's perfect because you can always find Tom. That's In fact, when I was looking for you in Discord, I was typed in Tom. I was like, well, that's not what it's going to be. Because then I'd never find him. Well, so thank you so much for being on, Tom. This was great. Uh, definitely we'll always have you back if you'll, if you'll have us. Absolutely. Thanks, Allison. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads. It's supported by you. If you learn from the show, or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says support the show. If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal, or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at Podfeet or email me at allison at podfeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to podfeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at podfeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.